Hello, welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. The 831 Podcast, episode 41. Um, we had the one the other day with Steve Tosh McIntosh. I hope you guys got to listen to that. That was in the Paul Traverse. That's a great podcast. Uh, filmed in the style of more like a um, like a mountain festival style, you know. So it was a talk about his recent trip. But that's really good, really interesting. I think you guys will like that. So please have a listen to that one or a watch. Um, and as always, a big shout out to sponsors. Uh, Trojan Nutrition, Trojan Fitness Bristol. Forever my sponsors, long-term sponsors. Matty and Julian, those guys are really good friends of mine. Have been and really helped me for my career. So they'll always be sponsors of the podcast. So check them guys out. Obviously, with lockdown, they're closed. Sweatbox Gym Bristol. I fight at Sweatbox Gym. So those guys get a shout out. They're suffering as well during the pandemic. And a free academy. I also teach and fight out of there. So all of those guys get a mention. Um, also, I'm going to give a shout out to Premier Anglin, who sort of helped this podcast today come, come to life. Kieran is a friend there. I only shop at Premier Anglin in Bristol. I only buy my tackle from Premier Anglin. That's not me talking crap. That is exactly where I get it. And I do pay maybe a little bit extra if need be because they're a small tackle shop which makes convenience. I can pop in and grab maggots. It won't be long and those sort of shops will be very, very rare indeed. So um, Kieran always has a deal for me, always looks after me and he will do for you as well. So Premier Anglin in Bristol, go and see them for your all your tackle needs. But today I am joined by Martin Bowler. Now Martin, I'm sure you probably know by now, is... One of the most famous anglers in the UK, fisherman in the UK. He's been writing for the Angling Times for like 30 years or something. Writes weekly column, columns, fished all over the world, a big fisherman. Um, yeah, it's it's a cool podcast because it's not just about fishing. It's also about Martin and what he gets from it and what he thinks it can add in his history. So it's about an hour or so long. I think it's a really cool podcast and I think you'll enjoy it whether you're a fisherman or not. So Please give this one a listen and please, I can't stress this enough, please could you guys give it a share. Um, if you guys can share these podcasts, that will really help the podcast grow and that obviously helps the people I'm talking to. So whether that's Martin um, getting more people reading his articles or Tosh helping raise more money for the Nepalese schools that he visited. So if you guys can share that, that'd be absolutely fantastic. But uh, yeah, I've got another one booked in for next week. So we should have a few more of these coming more frequently. But in the meantime, this is the 831 Podcast, episode 41, Martin Bowler. Martin, thank you very much for joining me, mate. No problem. It's, uh, this is what I've been thinking about getting you on for a while just because fishing for me like most people is a bit of a passion because it's something i do as like a hobby and stuff and i you've obviously been prominent for years and since a little boy or younger i've seen you like as a fisherman so i'm like i, I gotta speak to martin i gotta speak to martin and then uh you're like the reflections thing came out and i was like oh i'm messaging him that's it <laughs> yeah well i wondered why a wrestling podcast was asking me to come on because i've got no <laughs> wrestling moves that's for certain <laughs> And now there's no secret in a ninja. It, sorry, mate. There's no secret inner ninja in you, no? No, not really. I'm a coward. I'll just run away, all right? 
lovely stapher. But now, now you're saying you know me from a kid. That makes me feel really old. So I knew you were going to say that. I, yeah, but really, I'm only 22. I just look at. No, I'm not really. Well, I mean, yeah, time goes so quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially when you live your life on film or in magazine writing articles. I bet it goes like super quick because there's this process of the week to the week to the week to the week. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing oh, Angling Times now for oh, best part of 20 years. So that's a weekly content where you f- the best way to do it is to follow the seasons. Yeah. Uh, I will wake up and I'll normally, if I can, it's slightly different at the moment with COVID, but decide there and then based on the weather where I'll go fishing. So yeah. you see the seasons change and the time goes so quick, all of a sudden there's snowdrops, bluebells, daffodils, well, daffodils, bluebells, and then onwards it goes like the, the years just pass by, you know. But yeah. then that's a good thing, isn't it? If you're enjoying yourself, it's going to go quick. So um, Yeah, exactly. The th- when, when I've been enjoying myself at work, I'm usually being punched in the face. So time passing quickly is, is a good thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I would have thought in your your <laughs> job very very quickly, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so, you uh, you said like um, from watching like you as a as a as a fisherman as an angler from watching you, what I like about you is that you match your fishing with the seasons with the times, and there's like a as someone who spends a lot of time outdoors, whether falconry or hunting or fishing, what I like about that is that you seem to be like an outdoorsman. You're not just a fisherman. I I, I feel like, and I might be speaking out of, out of place here, but I feel like you would appreciate blanking on a bank because you see the kingfishers, just the young coming out, and you're sat and you might see an otter swim out the back, whatever it may be. It seems like you appreciate the outdoors as well as just fishing. Uh, there, there's n- You will see more of nature by fishing than you ever will be we'll see of nature just walking around in it because you're patient you're sitting there you're quiet it's like the amount of times people have said they've walked by i've never seen a kingfisher i would say 95 percent of the time i go out i see a kingfisher they are everywhere they're more prolific than blooming blackbirds so (laughs) um but people don't see them because they're moving around all the time they're not quiet they're not patient and and fishing allows that and yeah i mean i've been very lucky i've been blessed enough to fish lots of beautiful places around the world but do you know what this country is magnificent there is nowhere with the diversity of this country you might get on a plane in america and find it but in such a short distance if you imagine we could be under snowy peaks at the moment salmon fishing in scotland we could be in the fens um or the broads over on the east side the west side we could be in the y valley or we could be on the jurassic coast you imagine I could do that and travel there in a day. There's nowhere with that diversity. And I think that's what I hope I bring and try to tell people to go out there and experience how special our country is. Yeah, I mean, I th- that that certainly cap- captivates me with your with your style of fishing is that it's like a, it's an experience of everything that, that we can offer. And I, I'm not really one of these guys who likes to go to France and go carp fishing. I went this year and had a week blanking, so I like it even less now. But um, I, I'm not one of these. When I'm in France, I sort of feel like I could be on a low stock pond in the Cotswolds and catch something that's it feels a bit prestigious as opposed to coming here. I'd rather catch a 25 out of a low stock pond in the Cotswolds than a 60 in a lake in France has come out three times that season. Now, I'm not saying that's how everyone should fish, but your fishing 
makes me smile that that's how I think of my fishing, you know? Yeah, I think it's sort of like a true love. I mean, I've fished abroad plenty of times and I enjoy it. And we actually run a holiday business to Thailand or, or did up till the COVID problems and it will continue when it stops. But we have a holiday business in Thailand, but it, it, it is never the same as your own local fishing, your own country. And I, I think a lot of it as well is is the experience of a, where I get enjoyment from angling is I can go there i can fail but i'm going back so i can think about the process and try and work it out where you're abroad you've got one chance that's it you go home um yeah. and i like that process of understanding learning the venue seeing the seasons through the venue that you never truly get when you fish abroad because you get just get snapped really it's like the difference between your wife and your girlfriend one's <laughs> true love and one's an affair not that I have a girlfriend. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope your missus isn't going to listen to this. No, no she <laughs> me on the head. No, I haven't got enough time for any girlfriends. And probably in wrestling, you get female fans. In fishing, you just get a lot of dodgy looking blokes staring at you in supermarkets. And you're not quite sure whether you're a gay icon or, um, or they're fishermen. You hope they're fishermen. <laughs> Like not being gay, not. <laughs> I um, it's it's very much the same with like MMA cage fighting. Mate, is it the, the appreciation mainly comes from men? So you you get recognised, or someone's looking at you, and you, you think, oh no, that it's the same questions. It's just, yep, yeah, you appreciate or the beard. That's it. Get beard appreciation or appreciation from men for being punched. Never attention from women. The difference is I've not got my pants just on. You've probably just got a pair of little pants on. So that makes you a little bit more uncomfortable. Yeah, but that's how I fish as well. So what, In your pants? In my pants. Oh, many a times I've woke up in the night just in my pants to play a fish. Oh, there you go. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe we should keep that one quiet. But, but um, yeah, so I... I all types of angling as well. Is I, I don't love just carp angling, which is the most popular field yeah. aspect of angling at the moment in the UK and certainly throughout Europe. I could never limit myself to one species. So the angling times that I write in almost facilitates that diversity. It is hard work because you have to dedicate your whole life to keep delivering different content, but it allows you to experience how special our country is and no one should ever tell you that our country isn't special yeah i i, I completely agree mate completely agree just the the greenness of the when you fly back in the greenness of the grass and the rivers running through everything the little division of fences i look at it and i'm like it's home this is the countryside's home you know and i'm from a city i'm born and raised in bristol and i still i find myself drawn to those areas yeah and i think as well is it's the seasons that we have. No, we might winter. You think oh, it's going on forever, but without those seasons, you wouldn't. You have crescendos, and you have wonderful moments in the year. You can't have. For me, May is my favourite month. But if I had May, it would lose something. So I think the seasons allow that diversity to be expanded even more on a on a landscape and the countryside that's immensely diverse. So. Um, I find that a real a real joy as much as catching the fish. Um, yeah, so it's um, yeah. I would say that 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 is probably as important. Yeah, as as catching fish, these things yeah. change though over time. 
Sorry, yeah. mate. That's right. We broke up a little bit. There's no problem. So where like, where did you grow up then, mate? Where was like, how did it start for you? Were you near a lake or a river? How did it sort of come come to you? Well, I, I, I'm not from the West Country, as maybe my voice would tell you that. <laughs> I, um, I come from, um, well, I was born in Luton and I grew up most of my life in Dunstable, which is really next yeah. door to Luton. Um very different than this area that's for certain on the east side of england um but i had a just a passion for anything near water um and i could spend all day with a little net just wandering up and down as a little kid just trying to catch sticklebacks or minnows just all day i mean literally all day <laughs> so i guess i was always going to be an angler and then in my family it's uh, there's a very strong tradition of angling um my granddad um did a lot of fishing and he took um a very famous person in my family probably a, a much more famous angler than i am a, a guy called john wilson yeah um he was my second cousin my dad's cousin and my granddad and my grandma used to take him fishing on the river lee so I guess from that, I could see that John at the time, he was big on Anglia TV, ITV. Mm -hmm. I think like it moved to Channel 4 with his fishing show, Go Fishing. So as a kid growing up, um, I used to go on summer holidays um, to John's Lake. Um, and that sort of like spurred something else on. But I, I would say I, I became an angler outside of sort of like John. It was just in me really um i can remember going down the canal even to today i can remember my first ever bite on a on a float it was a 2bb onion float and it <laughs> sunk away on the grand canal and there was a gudgeon on it and they're the best of moments so that really started my fishing i moved on to then trying to catch carp out of the canal and i'd have to cycle um down there and it was a fair old cycle a couple of hours but i was so addicted to it as a little kid i'd cycle down there i'd put a bit of sweet corn out i'd had an old split cane rod i don't know whether you um remember or i've heard of split cane rod yeah i do uh, a gold hook bit of sweet corn flick it out and then if i was really lucky some point in the day it'd get dragged up the towpath and i'd go chasing after it and catch uh, i was tiny little commons like two three four <laughs> But that then cemented wanting to catch bigger fish. Um, so in my teenage years, I looked to try and catch larger fish. Um, where I lived, there was um, they were the only places, the lakes were the only places where you could catch catfish. Um, we had a place called Tiddenfoot. So I used to try and catch them at night, but literally sitting on a deck chair all night. Uh, it used to be freezing cold, no bed chairs, no bivvies, nothing. Um, eventually, I caught catfish, and then you know, it all sort of like snowballed. I wanted to catch bigger and bigger and bigger fish, and um, I was lucky to, to catch quite a few. Um, and then from there, I, I sort of like did a couple of talks, a little bit of writing in monthly magazines that are no longer here. Um, caught a couple of british records and then that gave me a chance with sponsors um and one company that i, I still work for to today which is drennan's esp 
um, and I've worked for Peter for many years, Peter Drennan. Um, and then the magazine started, and I was writing in Angling Times once a um, once a month. And then the other guys who were writing once a month fell by the wayside, and they asked, offered me a weekly column. So you, your writing is obviously a huge part of your fishing. Where does that stem from? Have you always been quite um, into writing and quite creative, or is it did one sort of um, bear bear born to the other, or or was it you know you wrote before, or you wrote in school, and they they merged? I I think they merged. I have no formal qualifications, as in other than O levels and um, in English or anything like that. I wouldn't. Uh... I loved writing stories as a little kid. I have to say, I used to, but it was all horror then. <laughs> Every story that the teacher set, somehow a vampire got into it. Um, I think they sort of like had to have words with my mum. They thought I had sort of like issues. Everything was blood, guts, and horror. Um, but I loved writing stories. I'd write pages and pages and pages, but that was completely separate to fishing. Um, but then somewhere down the line, the two merged. Um, I don't even know whether I have any great talent for writing. There are certainly better writers. But if you convey your passion and try and get it over uh, and your enthusiasm, it seems to work. Um, likewise, photography, because a massive part of my job is supplying. I supply all the pictures for my articles. Um, I don't have a photographer. Many people think I have a photographer wandering around with me. Everything, well, 90% of the photos that anyone would ever see that I've taken are self-timed. Wow. So that means a huge amount of work, setting it up on a tripod, running into position. So you have, if you ever see a lunatic running up and down the bank, <laughs> taking photos of himself, that might be me. Uh, <laughs> so... You just you learn with photography and you, you have to. Um, even back when I started with Angling Times, you needed to supply the photos. Um, and, and like I'm sure in your job, in your hobbies, if, if you're into it, you um, you find it much easier to pick it up because you're, you're keen to learn. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the thing is uh, you. I mean, I, I fished since I was four years old. It's been the thing I've done longest. And then obviously having birds of prey, birds of prey is probably my my biggest passion, but it's very seasonal as well. Um, so I fish more than I fly birds of prey. But no one in my family at all ever has flown a bird of prey bar me. So it's weird that I found that route and I got drawn into it. But as we're fishing, everyone seems to fish. Like my stepdad fished, my dad fished only here and there my stepdad was a huge fisherman we used to do a bit of long line in and then we'd go out we'd catch mackerel just to go out the next night and go out for conger or cod we'd be down lady bay like you know i at six years old seven years old i was sat at lady bay midnight freezing cold in the rain when my mates are tucked up in bed because they got school the next day it was just you know one of those things so fishing is sort of in me and um I, people say to me i don't know how you can do it just, it's because you've not caught a fish right i think every single person on the planet when they feel a fish on the end of a rod will appreciate what fishing is whether they go again or not they'll remember that time they caught that fish on that rod and i think that you convey your experiences in the moment whether that's the 700th barbel you've ever caught whether it's um a roach you've caught hundreds or millions of you know i think you convey the moment of where you are really well and uh, like i'm writing a book at the moment i have no academic qualifications 
and I'm writing a book just from passion. And I feel like the way that you write is exactly how I want to read, if that makes sense. I don't want to read with with all the right adjectives and I don't want to read with I want to read I can imagine this in Martin's voice and I can you know, I'm I'm the story. I become the character when I read your work, which which I love. Well, it's kind of used to say, and uh, yeah, no, that's what I try and do. I always think when I was a little kid, um, when I read a story, what would get me excited? And I hope somewhere at some time when I'm writing my article that one kid reads it, and that's what I always have in my mind as I'm writing it, that one kid will say, blimey, I want to do that. And then he'll have that amazing journey if he picks it up or she picks it up um they'll have that amazing journey that i've had because i truly have had um an amazing journey not just through angling but through the countryside um seeing so so much so privileged to see stuff that most people have never seen let alone let alone all the fish i've seen on the bank and it's it's getting that over and i think as well most people there's a primeval instinct to I don't, it's not politically correct these days to say hunt so much but there is a hunting instinct yeah. in us and i'm not ashamed to um portray that show that encourage that um i think it's good for people to get outside look at the moment um in this crazy world there's nothing more safer than going fishing you know yeah. and seen a huge uptick in the when we finished lockdown one fishing went crazy so yeah. many people started fishing because I think they realised that sitting there at home playing with them with their Game Boys or whatever it is, um, this is pretty boring. And hopefully we've seen sort of like maybe, maybe COVID, there will, there's always a, um, a positive to everything or you've got to find a positive. Maybe fishing will come back to the fore because we have been losing numbers in our sport and people will realise it's good to get outside. Even when you're cold, even when... There's nothing better than being outside when you're cold and it's chilly and you, yeah. you see the world sort of like struggling. But it, it, there's something primeval about that. And it makes it even better when you come back inside because you appreciate the luxuries you have. Yeah. And I, I think people like the meditative side of it, you know, like when you're sitting by a bank waiting for your rod to scream your float to go under whatever it is you there's a time when you either process the issues that you were having the mental stresses or you forget them and i think that either one of them is really meditative so i think the fishing's under a lot of scrutiny as well right now on social media because it's allowed so it's coming under comparison a lot with other sports that aren't allowed which you know, rightly or wrongly, it's not up for me to justify why fishing is allowed or why it's not. But I think the the bit that people mi misunderstand is the how positive it is on the mental well-being of so many people for so many reasons. Like you said, being outside, just being alone, the meditative state, concentrating on something else. And then the next minute you're not in, focused on a Game Boy or on a computer screen with the BBC News telling you how bad the world is in the background. You're actually out in the world and for a moment you think, this is actually all right. Yeah, you can appreciate that the world is a good place to be. It, it's yeah. like we always try to drag it down. You watch the news and you're constantly thinking, God, it's terrible, it's terrible, it's terrible. You go out and sit by a river on your own. Um, it's great. And I think as well, there's a, I mean, it is dominated as a male sport. And I think it's very good fishing during, has been during this lockdown period to get 
people outside, you know, away from sort of like any clashes or constantly on top of each other with your wife. And I think that's been very good for the male population. Not all of the male population want to wear Lycra and go cycling. <laughs> um, some want to go fishing. So it's been great. But uh, I, I, as well, females, you know, we seem to be getting more women in the sport, which mm -hmm. is, is wonderful. I think social media has encouraged that. Um, for all its ills, it seems to have had a positive spin on that and um, helped to lift that. And hopefully it will get kids into it to get away from their phones all the time. And just expect, I mean, just on, on the doorstep, I, I don't know where most of your listeners are from. I, I'm assuming in your local area. I mean, there's so much to do, so many wonderful places. I mean, I would say if you cross the bridge and go up from Chepstow upwards, that is one of the most spectacular places in the yeah. whole of this country. That wide valley, you drive past Tinton Abbey at yeah. dawn on your way fishing. If you don't think that's spectacular, you need to have a word with yourself. There's something yeah, wrong. Exactly. It's uh so it's one of my favorite places to fish, but also I paraglide. So I paraglide a lot in South Wales. So I've flown over the top of it, seeing like the old broken bridge that I've sat next to and fished for barbell from three thousand feet flying over. You realise how beautiful the, the landscape is. I mean I um I would say I would say I'm probably a barbell fisherman if i had to if someone said watch your i love hunting barbel and i always say hunting barbel i never say fishing for barbel i love hunting barbel because we've got some places near us like laycock and places like that where people go to catch big barbel well i never fish them because people go there and they catch big barbel so for me i want to catch a big barbel from a stretch two miles down that no one fishes so i like the hunting they're going out for 20 20 sessions walking one beat and blanking um but my barbel fishing gets neglected for carp fishing. I d it's weird because I love it. I love the barbel fishing, but for some reason, going out for five, six, seven hours gets put to the wayside, and I go out and sit in a bivy for three days in blank. Yeah, no, yeah. Maybe you should head up the Y Valley. I mean, there's yeah. nowhere more spectacular. Um, it's probably the, I would say, the second most prolific river in the country. The Trent is the most prolific, but the Trent is nowhere in the league of beauty as the Y. The Trent is much more um, flatland drains type scenario um, where the Y Valley just yeah, super. just to die for. I fish the Y quite a lot, probably but um, for salmon actually more than anything. Um, yeah. I adore my salmon fishing in the spring on the Y. Um, it's not easy. It's quite hard, but just ugh, April, May in that valley is stunning and and it's no distance away and i would guess a lot of people even living in bristol haven't been bothered to cross the bridge and go yeah. up there. yeah and also day ticket like get to that little pub in simmons yacht and uh by the by the uh waterfall weir place there get there buy a day ticket fish simmons yacht east or west it's like it's you don't have to pay a big 25 pound a day ticket you can go and get a little day ticket and get out at simmons yacht and you can catch up you've got a good chance of a double figure barbell there you know yeah, and there's Wine Us Foundation, they do tickets. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few clubs that do tickets. Um, it's it's true wild fishing. Uh, the size of the barbel aren't massive on a national scale, but that's made up for by where you'll be catching them and probably how many you'll catch. There's a lot yeah. of them. 
Um, for anyone going up there, it's fish very basic, very simple, um, quite stout, strong gear, minimum 12 pound line, one and three quarter, two pound Tesco of rod. Um, and bizarrely, one of the best ways I find of catching them is how they fish on a carp lake with a method feeder. Okay, yeah, I'm the same. I like a method feeder for barbel. Fish and method feeder, but very, very, very tacky mix. So it, it can't, the barbel have to knock it off, not the flow. Mm. And that'll force them up onto it, and your rod tip will start knocking, and then all of a sudden, the old three foot twitch. There's yeah. no, there's no, people think a bite's a bite's a bite until you have a barbel flicking that rod tip around. There's nothing like it. No alarms or anything either. You're sat watching, or all of a sudden that rod tip goes. Yeah, I, there's nothing, and in a strong current. An eight-pound barbel will shock you if you've not caught a barbel. An eight-pound barbel will shock you in a decent current on the Y, for sure. Yeah, they fight really hard. Stunning surroundings. You can take someone there and introduce them to fishing, and they will be hooked. I took, actually, my um, – she has fished before, but my stepdaughter, um, Natalie, she came as part of Take a Friend Fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could actually fish for free, where you got your rod license for free, um you could take someone for the day and i took her up there and you know what i think she really enjoyed herself playing barbel um she'd never (laughs) caught one before she weren't in a rush to leave we put the old gas on cooked sausage sandwiches then caught barbel a bit more caught some more barbel and and that's what it's all about it's not always about enduring it and having to catch the biggest of fish i love catching huge fish but equally, sometimes it's just nice to go on an adventure. And the Y Valley is perfect for that. And it's right next door to us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, so I, I am going to talk about your, your massive fish because you are a big fish fisherman. Um, but when you go out and make these articles, you could be going out for roach or perch or anything. Do you go out specifically with a with a target species in mind most of the time? Or if you're going out, say, for perch, are you also thinking, right, it's a bit quiet on the predatory fish. I'll put a, a little waggler out and maybe see if I can have some roach on a red maggot or something. Um, I, I find a lot of times if you split your attention, you end up catching very little. Mm-hmm. So normally I'll go out with a purpose of a single fish. Um I'll decide what I'm fishing for and how I'm fishing dictated solely by the weather, not by me or the time of the year. Um, I'll let nature control that and I'll just try and work with her because if you're going to blank a lot, you'll start to try and fight her um, and go to the wrong venues at the wrong time. If you follow the species with the season, there's always something on. There's always something willing to feed. So, that's how I'll do it. Um, but I have an added complication that because of the content that I need to supply, which is massive. Um, I mean, in the past, because I write in European magazines as well. Yeah. So I'm still probably uh, heading towards 100 articles a year, 100 articles wow. a year. So that's different fish, plus supplying your sponsors material, plus supplying social media, because all the pictures on social media, I cannot publish them. For, on social media before the magazine has them the angling yeah. Times that would just be wrong because i work for the angling times um so you've got to constantly have the diversity so if you imagine we've gone to the y um we've caught some barbel um i can't go back there the next day and do that again i've got yeah. to find something else 
So um, it probably helps that there's a huge amount of diversity in this country. But it also sort of you can never quite you, you crack the code, you start catching and I have to leave it because I've got to move on to the next. So while I do follow the seasons and I try and adapt, I'm constantly hoping the weather will change. So say, for example, at the moment, um, if we've got low, clear, cold water in winter, then you might think you yourself, oh, chub or grayling. And then as soon as the southwesterly front comes in and it starts pouring with rain, um, then I'll start thinking the rivers are flooded. I've got barbel fishing. Yeah. And keep moving on like that. And by doing that, you can continuously... Um, it looks miraculous the amount of big fish that you keep putting up, but that's the secret. Yeah, and uh, so they're not. You're not. It's not being dictated to what your next article should be. It's literally my last article was this. The one before that was this. So let's do this if the weather allows me. Yeah, I'm very fortunate uh, with um, not only the magazine that I work for, but my sponsors. I've sort of like made my name as an all rounder, so I'm not. Um, say a carp angler, and that's all I do. So they leave it to me. They, they, I, I wouldn't allow them to dictate it, and and they never do, which is uh, very good of them. They know that I know what's best. Mm -hmm. So I know what job I've got to do. I know I've got to deliver diversity. So I'm sure my editor would ring me up if, say, four weeks on the trot, I supplied cod in the Bristol Channel. Yeah. He'd have one and then he'd say, well, what's going on? But I wouldn't do that. I know yeah. my job. Um, but what I can't have, and, and, and they know this, is someone in an office saying, right, today you must go and catch her because it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, they, they trust in me. I trust in them. And that's the best way. I'm like out there doing my own thing and and sometimes it's not working every day i mean i'm i'm not fish i don't generally fish weekends and mm -hmm. i'm probably out three to four times a week in the week they might be short, short sessions or a couple of longer sessions but you're you're poking and prodding really i'm i might go out and go mm, that's not quite working and right change tact and do another species change tack again and try and get the material by hook or by crook by the end of the week. But yeah. Also, you've got to remember, I need the photography. That makes it another level because all the scenic shots are better, say, at the moment. I can see out the window. It's very bright. It's nice. Everywhere will sing in the photos with the light. Yeah. So I take photos on a dull day, and for magazine work, they just don't sing off the pages. So I'm thinking, right, today maybe I'll go and get the scenic and tomorrow go back when it's overcast, better fishing conditions and try and catch the fish to go with it. But he, here's one that I still struggle with today. So you're perch fishing in the winter. Normally, big perch start to feed after three o'clock in the afternoon. There's those light levels. And when it just starts to drop, They'll start to feed. So uh, I catch a big perch and it's 15 minutes before it's going to, the sun's going to set. Now I know if I cast out, I'll catch another one. Right? Yeah. Because normally they're in shoals, but I've got to make a call. Do I get my job done and get a great photo for the magazine? Or do I catch another one or another two and get a bad photo in the darkness? Well, it's hard, but if you're doing my job, which people don't appreciate, 
you have to stop fishing. So you have to yeah. cost yourself fish because it's more important to photograph one fish well than it is to photograph three badly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a uh, that's it's interesting because for for all the world to see, you're a fisherman through and through, and your job is that you go fishing and then you write about your experiences. But you are very much a photographer, an editor. Uh, so all of that being in your mind. When people read those articles, I guess it, you just don't think of it, you know. Like we've all taken a really nice photo and we've adjusted it here and there, but you have to take really nice photos. There's no, well, this one could scrape in. So that when you're heading out to say, well, I'm going to go out and have a nice day's fishing today, you're also thinking, well, oh, really though, with the way this is looking, I need to catch one early on because it's going to go a bit grey and rainy. I don't, which is really interesting. It's so much thought has to go into the job I'm, I'm always looking at the weather and if i think right it's bright at the moment it'll get overcast afternoon right i need to get the scenics and the rig shots done now i need to yeah. get them i've got a small window and um you, you you have to think like that because you won't deliver the content it's people put fishing down to luck if they trust in luck they'll fail yeah you know, you'll get lucky once but you're failing the long term. So never trust in luck. She'll always betray you. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's, I, I'm very, on that front, I'm very strategic in that I check the weather. I think, right, it, it's bright at the moment. I'll get that done. And sometimes you have to shoot all the photos and you haven't got the catch photo, photo to finish the article. You've done all the scenics and the tackle shot because you have to, assuming that you might catch at dusk, and then you don't catch. So all that work was wasted. It's not like being a bricklayer. I don't go to work and I say, I'm going to lay X amount of bricks if I do this work. I can go to work and completely fail, spend money on bait, driving, getting there, getting everything prepared and come home and I've just got nothing. And you've done everything right. You've done, there's there's yeah. nothing you've done wrong. Yeah. But, yeah that's but, but I wouldn't want anyone to feel sympathy for me because as well as there's a struggle and there has to be a struggle for fishing angling to exist and be a, a something to enjoy um i i get wonderful moments as well and, and wonderful opportunities so um, yeah i mean it's, it's not, not um, quite what you think yeah i mean look i i envy what you do but i wouldn't want to do it if that makes sense um not that i feel like it would necessarily subdue my passion or kill my passion but I've been, you know, I've been on like a five or six day blanking spree and there's like a pressure of wanting to catch a fish and you end up in the end, you know, like resenting, resenting certain aspects or you might have a tench right at the end you're like, fucking tent and you don't appreciate it. So I, I think for you to still, I mean, if you're out trying to catch a certain species because of this and you catch something you've already had, like, that was useless. I mean, I'm sure there's a pressure that comes with that is that taken anything away over the years or does it just that's part of your job now like you know when a plaster drops plaster on the floor that's just part of plastering i guess you know yeah I, some people would hate the pressure and a lot of people who have tried to write weekly columns have fallen away within one or two years and i understand why um but if you like if you're a creative person and you like portraying that side of your sport then I get as much of a buzz, not only in the fish, it's when I get home and I look at the photos and I go, 
God, they're going to look really good. And I've got a really good story. But most people are very surprised. For example, a friend of yours, Kieran, at Premier Angling. Yep. I've been out and a couple of times I've gone and done features with him. And I think he will tell you he is shocked how much work has to be done. Oh, he's told me, yeah, about fishing for Ray and stuff with the, with the line dropping over. Like when he was explaining to me the work that went into that, like that fishing with you, it did shock me that the amount of work that goes in. Well, as soon as I, I need to say, if I go with someone, um, we fish and I always say to him, right, our first aim is to catch a fish. And then our second aim is to both catch a fish. So if I catch a fish and I've got someone else there, I just stop fishing. Because I've yeah. already got my bet of the article, so I need to focus on getting the photos of them doing it. And with all respect, I will get the good photo, and probably they won't. So I can't just yeah, sure. hand them a camera and hope. So I need to be ready with the camera when they're bent into a fish to get that. So my fishing time is is quite small, but I'm conscious that I have to catch to link the story together because it, it doesn't really work if I go fishing with Kieran and we both haven't caught. I need to be able to build a story. It can work if only I catch because I can demonstrate that he's an expert and they put me onto the fish. Yes. It doesn't really work the other way around. So I've got two things going on. I've got, I've got to make sure they're delivering what I need from them. I need to make sure I catch a fish. When my fish come in, I'm like, wow, that's a relief right now. Let's <laughs> focus on getting the rest of the material. And before you know it, um, a day's gone. I mean, it's just gone. Um, yeah. And, and I guess you're making you're making material where other people maybe wouldn't. You're foreseeing there may be a blank on the cards for Kieran, so there won't. Uh, there's definitely not going to be a blank of him casting or doing this. And you're thinking, right? Let's preempt the fact there might be a blank. Can I get a really nice picture of him casting, which would make a good bit for the article? Or less, you know, you're seeing bits that other fishermen probably probably aren't. Yeah, I mean, we went off and did one on Undulate Rays, and um, I caught one. Kieran didn't. Now, that's nothing against Kieran's skills because. No, but I'm, it's nice to put it in there. It's nice to put it in that he blanked. Well, yeah. <laughs> he, he's always blanking, but we won't talk about that. Um, but no, but, but the point was, he had taken me there. He was the expert. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly trying to think as that fish comes in, and you imagine the pressure, he's leaning over the rocks, like trying to get it in the waves are lapping if that hook pulls out the whole work all the whole feature is gone yeah. we haven't got a feature that's not happening because what can i do what can i write about yeah but then i'm constantly thinking right how can i build the story so what angle can i come from here you know and that's what you've got to do so in a way a lot of people go fishing and if something happens they might write a story about it mine is i'm going fishing and trying to create a story on purpose. Yeah. Um, everyone knows my job. I, all my friends who know my job, none of them would want my job. But I love my job. So it's not a problem and I adore it. But I think you have to have a certain mindset where you, you get as much of a buzz from creating your stories, your articles, as catching the fish itself. Yeah. Or train angling. Yeah, have you? So, I I think this would detract from what you do, but have you not 
you don't do a lot of video content. I mean, there's this sort of like uh, millionaire, famous YouTube sort of fisherman um, era on us at the moment, which may be good, maybe bad. But you haven't you haven't transitioned over so much to the video portion. Do you think that that would maybe take away because people are going to see what's happening as opposed to having it described to them? And me watching it is not going to be the same as me reading about how it happens for you. No, I mean. I do, I do social media a lot, Facebook, Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and then I put so like they're much more rough videos. But you've got to remember is social media is not paying you. The magazine is exactly. paying you. That's paying the bills. So I have to prioritize my magazine. I have to pro prioritize my sponsors. I do work for both Sticky and for ESP Stroke Drennan. They're the same company. Um, and I do films with them, but they're more bigger um two, three times a year type productions. Um, I, I feel my whole career has been in a crossover period. I mean, I made a series for Channel 4 many years ago with Erna Cribbins called Catching the Impossible. Yeah. Um, and I feel very fortunate that I had a window. That took four years to make. Wow. So that that you wouldn't get that these days. That I had a window of opportunity where we could create something um, special. Um, but you'll notice a lot of the films these days, and there's nothing wrong in it, the style has just changed. There's not so much wildlife it mixed into the fishing films. The reason why there's not, and there's not loads of layers, is because to get the wildlife takes ages. So you can't just go out for a day and come back with anything bar a fishing video. And the films that I've made in the past we used to make DVDs, but that market fell away. Um, there's one being shown at the moment on um, ESP's YouTube channel called Seeking Shadows. And that's got yeah. so many layers on it. So many layers. If you actually watch the layers and the scenes and the wildlife scenes, they just take forever. And the modern world won't allow that. And I suppose that's made me... Once we stopped making DB DVDs, we still sell a few, but once we stopped making them, I guess I sort of like fell out of love with it a little bit because I couldn't portray angling as I really wanted. Mm -hmm. Now it has to be solely fishing, really. Um, and in a little 20 minute, in a little 20, 15, 20 minute video on YouTube a lot of the time, um, which I guess is born from the fact that it's mainly about fishing now, but if you're going to condense your experience into 15 to 20 minutes, you're probably going to be missing out a massive part of your experience. Yeah. And I mean, the attention span of people now is even down from that. It's 15 seconds, isn't it? It's Insta yeah. story. It's 15 yeah. seconds. I mean, I do do Insta stories. It's 15 seconds. It's just, but I'm yeah, your pike one, you had a pike one the other day. Um, and it was all one of the best. I probably replayed it six or seven times. It was a go, go, go back two weeks or so. And you were um, fishing for pike and just getting it. There was a couple of shots of it chasing the lure. And then you hit one right at the end. That story was awesome. It was just so, it was so good because it wasn't you catching a pike. It was you not catching a pike, then catching a pike. And it was the lure of the water, the way that you were fishing in an eddy or out of an eddy. It was really good that in a couple of seconds, 15 seconds or so, you'd captured exactly what the process was as opposed to just catching a fish yeah and it, it, i think that these days that is how you need to show people they just don't have the attention span it is those 15 seconds 30 seconds 45 seconds and i'm not i'm not 
moaning about it because that's the world we are. We have to move on. We all have to move on. But my whole career has been in, not whole, but certainly the next, last decade has been in flux of, you know, what's more important? Is it being in the national magazine right in the centre pages or is it supplying a YouTube chip film? Um, and there's a, we've not quite seen journalism completely gone, magazines completely gone, uh, and social media taken over. We're in flux, and I have to supply to everyone all the time. But ultimately, as making my living out of sport, I have to prioritise the people who are willing to pay for my media. Hence, that's why my, my main focus every week is delivering the best Anglian Times content I can. Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so you, we, you said earlier on, or we said about you being a, a big fish fisherman, and I guess that comes from you have a couple of records, right? You or I have had at certain I've had, points. I've had three records. Um, two, one of them was unofficial, but two actual records. Yeah, um, one was the grass carp, so they had suspended um, the grass carp record, but at the time I after that point i still caught the biggest grass carp ever caught in this country yeah and it's uh how long ago was that oh we're talking grass carp was probably about five years ago the 52 pounder um, yes yeah, nice. where was that um that was a lake over i i would have to kill you if i told you but <laughs> um well i probably couldn't you being the wrestler um, <laughs> i'd have to bring a mate or something like that <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, no, that was on the east side of the country in a gravel yeah. pit. And yeah. then other records were I had the Barbell record in 99. Yeah. In 99 off of the Great Ooze. And the Great Ooze that day was so flooded, I had to wade across a field and get on a little island. And then I had an overhead cast to even get into the river. That's how flooded oh, it was. And I caught the British record barbell at the time there. That was £16.13. ounces. And then a few years later, I caught the Crucian Carp record, um, which was a lake called Eversley, which is near Yately, Sandhurst, mm -hmm. Amberley Way. Um, uh, I don't, it wasn't a gravel bit, a sand pit it would have been. Um, and I caught the British record there. And then I've been fortunate to catch... Uh, virtually every species huge um, yeah it's better to be lucky than good <laughs> but, um, i think uh i think it's better to be hard working and committed than it is to be lucky yeah i mean i i, I say that in jest because yeah it, it, you know with i i know nothing about wrestling but it, it would be you would be a lot of focus a lot of effort to be good at it, it you don't just turn up jump in the ring and win i can't believe that's the case and it's the same with fishing but bizarrely in fishing there's so many people who can't see beyond luck and yeah. because they trust in luck they don't bother trying because they think well today's not my day well it, today could be your day yeah. if you've got everything right um and with big fish angling that is so important that the priority is pick a venue with a big fish in a lot yeah. Uh, most of your work, most of your work will go in before you'll never get to the bank. Like the, the biggest part of the puzzle is finding the venue with a big perch, with a big cruising carp or a big whatever it is. You need to have found that venue first. You yeah. found that venue, then everything else 
can follow. But you can't. I can't turn up down the local canal where people are catching one pound perch, and I won't miraculously turn up and catch a five pounder because there's not a five pounder there. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think that's a problem. People don't catch big fish because because there's a surface, a layer, uh, keeping you from seeing what's there. They assume always that oh, there'll be a monster there. Well, no, there's not. There's not a monster there. Find the right venue. Once you've done that, um, make sure you've got the right equipment. Make sure you understand what they want to eat and the right rig. And then the rest is just simple. Just keep finding them and keep putting your bait near them. And eventually you will catch one. Yeah, good people. I think uh, pe- people give up a bit too soon in that. You know, like I, I fished a little one mile stretch for barbel. I've caught barbel a mile upstream and barbel a, down, a mile downstream. I fished one stretch 18 times. I fished it now and I've blanked every single time. I've had one chub in 18 visits, oh. trying all different types, mostly fishing one rod so I can, you know, walk, walk the stretch, feed a bit for 20 minutes, move on. Um, and I've blanked 18 times. And my mate came out and he's like, why, why the fuck are you doing this? Like, why don't you just fish up? I'm like, because I've caught a barbel there. I just, there can't not be barbel in between. It looks barbely. It looks, so if I just catch one, no matter what size, I know I've proved to myself, yeah, there's barbel in between, you know? So I'm convinced it must have barbel, but I think that a lot of people will go places and they'll catch maybe a, a couple of fish, but they haven't had the big one. So like, oh, it's not there. But at the same time, sometimes you've got to think to yourself, am I just giving up? Yeah, no, you can't give up. Unfortunately, the Bristol Avon, I guess, is where you're trying. Yeah. Uh, we, we have another massive issue with the Bristol Avon, which was the otters appearing. Yeah. So that's another huge factor. There could have been big fish there. There may be, but the night before an otter came through, scared them all. There's no way they're going to feed. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the Bristol Avon has become a hard river to catch barbel off of. Whereas when I moved down this way, sort of like around 2000, it was a fairly easy river to catch barbel off, which is, uh, you know, a great shame. But I suppose for your podcast, we better not start ranting about otters. No, it's not. It's not the best of conversations to go into otters anyway. Um, but unfortunately, the Bristol Avon has suffered terribly because of it. One of the worst um, rivers to be affected by it in the whole country, which is a great shame, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, there are still some really nice barbel about. Um, you have to work for them, but there are some really nice barbel still in the Avon, and I think they are coming back slightly. So fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so you, the modern, the modern fishing is primarily now focused around. I would say, maybe unfairly, I would say carp fishing sort of the the big draw. Um, do you do much, and do you even enjoy much of the modern carp fishing? Oh, yeah, I love carp fish. I mean, where my sort of like real big fish angling came from was in Bedfordshire, fishing all the pits around there was from being a carp angler or trying to be a carp angler. Um, oh, yeah, I adore it. And in the market I'm in as a sponsored angler, if you're not known in the carp market, really, you, you, you'd struggle. Even though I'm an all-rounder, you have to be known and you have to be catching carp on a fairly regular basis because that would dominate carp as in people fishing with a pole catching uh, commercial small carp and carp anglers with bite alarms catching big carp, that that would be 75% of the whole market, the yeah. whole market. So if you're not involved in that market, 
don't think you could be a probably be a professional angler. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I can't fish loads, and I still adore it. But I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it um, just on its own and nothing else. I, I would be bored out of my mind. Yeah. Um, but people overcomplicate carp fishing. Um, I was just that was going to be one of my questions next was um do you think that it's become too complicated you get people like Jim Shelley who uh he like his rig and everything he's like this is it this is what I use bosh that's what I do and I think you get other people who are you know there's 300 different types of rigs with 700 different types of presentation so my my next question was going to be do you think it's overcomplicated oh yeah people people remember uh, it's almost driven out of the trade to want to sell more gadgets widgets and <laughs> yeah. like that but i don't i fish with some of the best anglers carp anglers in the country it is basic it is basic it is a sharp hook a rig that doesn't tangle just stick to one or two rigs a pop-up rig and a bottom rig that's all you need your main you mentioned someone like jim shelley but all the other big name sole carp anglers their main focus, I guarantee you, will be working really hard to make sure they're on the fish all the time. It is not trying to design the latest rig. It is just get on the fish, get on the fish, get on the fish at all costs. If you have to move, move. And and that's it. There's, n- there's no great magic to it. But people, again, we go back to people are believing in luck. And once you do that, you just sit there and think, well, that fish will swim by. Well, no, it won't. It's it's moved. It's not there. You have to move. No creature other than humans does something um, not for a reason. They follow the wind. They'll follow yeah. the sun. They'll follow whatever it may be, but they're doing it for a reason. And you, you once you understand that and you understand you have to keep on the fish, a basic rig, a good bait, and you'll catch more, more than your fair share. I bet yeah, I mean, you, if you looked at all the top carp anglers' rigs, you'd go, well, well there's nothing there. It, it, it's, it's simple. You never, see a, you never see any angler do a double somersault before he casts, and you think, I can't do that. <laughs> it, it, it's, there's nothing complicated. Yeah. We just want to believe there is something complicated in it. If you don't catch, normally, it's your fault. If, the, if you can find the fish and you don't catch, well, that's your fault sometimes on very busy venues nowadays like linear and places like this you're stuck you can't move yeah so you may well blank but um if you're free to move around the lake and you fail the reason you failed was your fault yeah i mean people say i hear a lot like uh i fish a lot of sticky baits and i make my own bait um primarily hook baits and stuff but i hear people say oh but this has got so-and-so attractors and this got so-and-so i'm like if you're fishing in 30 acres of water there's no attractor in the world is drawing the fishing from the other side of the lake that will attract the fish if they're passing by or may stop them and hold them in the swim but you have to if the fish are in your swim they're going to eat whatever bait is there they're known carp are known for being pigs just make sure you have good presentation and bait in your swim but getting them in the swim is more about you going to the fish and it's a fish coming to you yeah go, go and find the fish i i think with bait have a good bait um there are some very good baits on the market but i i'm not chopping and changing all the time i work for sticky bait so i'll say that before 
anyone thinks that I, I'm not disclosing that, but for <laughs> 95% of my carp fishing, I've got the krill on. Yeah. I've got the krill on out of a bag the same as you or anyone going into the tackle shop can buy. I don't get special super bait sent to me. There's not some secret clan that has bait <laughs> that no one else can. Mine is out of a bag. And yeah, 95% of my fishing it is the krill and and that's it but anyone can get that it's not yeah i mean you can walk in the tackle shop these days and you can buy ready-made rigs and and do you know what another another thing to admit i work for esp a lot of time i think oh, i'm just so busy fishing for everything i just use ready-made rigs from esp <laughs> i'll put a ready-made rig on i'll get a boilie out of the bag or the tub of sticky i'll cast it out and um I will just focus on finding a fish, and I, I yeah. seem to catch a few fish, so I I think that's the right way of doing it. Don't believe in magic. It, it, it doesn't exist. But also, if you're going to spend so much time at home prepping your own homemade rigs, testing buoyancy and a bit of water and stuff, why would that all go out the window? Because you've set up at the only swim that hasn't got water in it, or there's no mud around it, or you couldn't be bothered to go to the other end of the lake. Like You've put in so much anticipation to go for the only time you can fish this week because of work why would you then once you get to the lake undo all that hard work because you didn't walk around for an hour that's just the way it is people like to get <laughs> their tent up first they're, they're camping there are but but I, I don't want this to seem that i i wouldn't think that some anglers want to camp and there's nothing wrong in that i would stress that though there's nothing wrong in camping that you get there You've got your latest bivy, your latest bed sheet, you've got your bivy table. I mean, bivy table. Um, <laughs> you put your TV on, you settle down, barbecue goes on. I mean, I don't fish like that. If I'm yeah. not catching, I'm looking to move or I'm thinking about moving. So I'm certainly not setting up like a whole mobile home in my bivy. Yeah. Um, but there is nothing wrong in that. But the, Angling is many things to many people. So although I'm stressing for people who want to catch, just don't get confused. Fish very basic. You can buy brilliant stuff nowadays. Stick to that. Um, as much, if you get your buzz from you've got a bit of space away from work, you set up the big old tent, you lay back, you crack open a can of beer, and you just can't be asked to do anything else. And if it goes off, great. And if it don't, great. Wonderful. You've enjoyed yourself as much as probably me, the madman, running around, sweating buckets, right, and catching one fish. It is what it means to you. Exactly. So, um, I think that's important for people to realise. And no one cares what you catch, really. You know, we have all this in our mind, ah, oh, if I don't catch it, if I blank, oh, no one cares. And in five years' time, no one would be remembered. So enjoy your trip. I personally... It is my job, so I've got to produce, but I can't fish without trying really hard. It's just in me. But I've got a friend, Chris Yates. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh, one of my favourite anglers. His stuff um, from back in the day. Like, Yeah, one of my favourite anglers to watch because he's basic, simple, centre pin stuff. And, yeah. and Chris it. isn't that bothered about catching. Yeah. He's not that bothered. And we fish together. Um, in those sticky reflections films you mentioned we fish together we're very different but we both gain in a day i might have caught some fish chris might have seen something i haven't and and we pack up go home and 
we've both had a good time and that's all it is. That's all it is, is having a wonderful time. Yeah, I feel like Chris's I feel like Chris's watch moves slower than my watch. He seems to just have this aura about him that he he's figured out a time that I haven't figured out yet. He just rides his bike and goes and like he seems to really be in the moment of every time. And of course, this is talking from a, a fanboy watching on videos, but he seems like that guy who's just he's in the moment of the fishing. That's this is fishing, and this is what happens. What I will tell you with Chris because he's made like a passion for angling, which mm-hmm. is probably the greatest fishing series ever. I agree. Um, yeah, how how he is portrayed, how you see him, is exactly how he is. There is no acting. There are some people that it's not quite as it seems. With Chris, it's exactly as it seems. I would guess that there's probably a chance he's not out of bed yet <laughs> because that's just Chris and he's he's very relaxed, he's very calming. Um, but how he's found his joy out of angling won't be for everybody. So yeah. there's no fixed way. His way is very different to mine, but we both love it. So yeah. I think the thing to understand is is don't judge your fishing solely by what you catch. I that's what I do. I try to catch lots of fish, but that's not the only way to find joy out of it. And and Chris is the best, best, best example of that in angling. Yeah, I like also the the contrast between your two personalities. Uh, highlights the fact that there doesn't need to be competitiveness or comparison you can quite happily be completely different people with completely different motives but it works together because the element is fishing and you don't need to compare oh but chris has done this and he's caught this and that's i should have done this and i should you're just like chris has done that and it's worked for chris and i'm over the moon for chris but i do this and it's not worked for me this time next time it'll work for me it won't work for chris yeah, and it work, in some ways it works when you're so polar opposites in your fishing because you're not trying to chase the same thing all the time. Yeah. So there's no element of competition. Um, and and that's why I think I enjoy fishing with Chris and hopefully it, it comes over in the films we made for Sticky with the Reflection series. Um, sometimes I think, oh, why are you doing that, Chris? But <laughs> I'm trying to project what I want onto him and you can't. And equally, Chris was probably thinking, what is that idiot doing running around in the rain trying to catch fish? Just chill, have a cup of tea. And, <laughs> and equally, he can't change me. So um, he, he is, though, a very special character within angling. You know, he, he is one of the true. We throw it around too easy, but he is an icon of angling. Yeah, I agree. Um, before I let you shoot off, mate, before I let you go, um, is there any fish that you'd like to catch or fishing style that you'd like to do that you haven't done? Um, I was asked this the other day for Angling Times, actually, and um, I was sort of like thinking, what would I still like to catch? Um, I do have a love affair with the River Y. I would like a truly monstrous salmon out of there um, one day, a spring salmon, upper 20 or a 30. That would be wonderful. But if it doesn't come, that's fine. Um, I've been very fortunate to catch quite a lot of 100 pound plus species, um, marine species, sea species around our coast. Yeah. And the only one realistically left to me now would be uh, a six gilled shark. Yeah. So I'd quite like to, they grow to like a thousand pounds. So um, maybe one day catch that. Um, 
but really no I, I i'm more driven just enjoying myself and if an opportunity comes up i grab it and if i catch a big fish again wonderful but i, I know this sounds you know twee or whatever the word is but I am very fulfilled within angling. I, I'm not the same as when I was 21 thinking, I've got to have this, I've got to have that. I've got, I, I'm very relaxed. I try my hardest. If it works, it works. If it don't, it don't. And I, I wouldn't say I have massive ambitions now within angling other than to just carry on and live the life I've already had. If I can do that again, well, that's more than enough for me. I think like, I think that's one of the greatest things about you. Like when I was growing up and watching John Wilson, it was John Wilson's laugh. Whether he whether he lost a fish or whether he's caught a fish, that laugh was like iconic. I would like to tell you, I mean, I grew up with John. Many people thought the laugh was fake. The laugh was real, I can assure you. <laughs> the laugh was real with John. That makes it all the much better. And then but with you, it's uh like it's like a calmness do you know what i mean it just seems like um it seems like wherever it goes whatever species you're content and happy that day like if you're out car at, like perch fishing i never read an article or watch a uh video and think i bet he wishes he was carp fishing you're happy perch fishing you know and i think that's your greatest thing from me from my perspective watching you is you just seem happy and content every time you're out fishing oh, that's kind it's not all always the case but they're you know, there's so many wonderful things to do. I hope if from this podcast, anyone are, are fishermen and wrestlers um, <laughs> is that they go out and go on an adventure, try something new because it's not all about one species. They're all great. There's not, I love it all, but there's something really rewarding about going to a new venue or a new species. And, you know, so many people don't do it. And it's for ridiculous reasons like, oh, I'm not sure where the car park is or something like that. They don't bother ever going. Now, within five minutes, you found the car park and realised the fishermen are exactly the same as the fishermen on the other lake or river. And there's nothing to be like intimidated by. And all of a sudden you're having fun again. And it takes five minutes of effort. Um, and it's a great shame people don't do more of that. And I hope that that, if anything, I can portray and I encourage people to go and do. Well, I think you will, mate. And I think if if you, people are watching this and they or listening to this even, and they haven't um, they haven't maybe experienced much of your stuff, look it up, have a look at what it is that you do, and read some of your articles and stuff. And hopefully that'll be the impetus to dust off the rods that are in the in the back of the shed. Get out there because at the moment it's one thing we can do in a world of insanity. Like to so get out there and maybe like rejuvenate that or grab your little one who's five years old who hasn't shared that with you and take them with you out on the bank. Yeah, exactly. We can do it during lockdown. Well, we've been very fortunate with that. Um, it's just sort of like if you've not fished for ages, get out there, you know, go to your local tackle shop. I'm sure they'll help you. Um, it hasn't got to be expensive, you know, just get out there and you will see not just marvellous fish, not just a wonderful experience with your family. You'll also have an opportunity to see how special this country is. Yeah, definitely. Well, mate, once again, thank you very much for taking the time uh, from your busy schedule and joining me. It was absolutely brilliant to talk to you. No, you're most welcome and um, best fishies. <laughs> thank you, mate. I'll, um, we'll get rid of these lot and I'll say goodbye to you personally. Two seconds. <laughs>